Welcome to Come Alive. I'm your host, Helena Jidovich, and I'm drawn to people who are engaged with life, eager to converse about truth and love, attentive to the people around them, and free to express the movements of their hearts. Here I'll share some of my daily prayer and life experiences of begging God to transform me into one of those people. Welcome along for the ride. Hello and welcome to Come Alive episode 8. Today we are going to talk about waiting. Waiting on the Lord's timing and why that is really an excellent thing for us. So this is kind of inspired by my coming back again still from Croatia recently where I had this amazing time with my family. And just last year and this year were the first times that I've been there ever alone, like without my mom or any siblings or anyone else with me um, while visiting them. And it's really interesting because my whole childhood, I always said, I just want to be Croatian. I just want to live in Croatia. I just want to be there. Forget America. What is this place, Wisconsin? Come on. (laughs) And, but it was always kind of like this dream and this kind of like, in my head, I think I had some like ending time. Like if I don't spend a summer in Croatia, by the time I'm done with high school, I'm never going to. If I don't make sure that I get to know my cousins really well and maybe take a year off or take a summer off or a month or something to go to Croatia while I'm in college, it's never going to happen because I'm going to have an internship. I'm going to have classes. I'm going to have a job. I'm never going to have this opportunity again. This is it. Like kind of putting my own like parameters on my experience of my life and this like ticking time bomb almost of like how much time there is for me to either like know my family or to not and be cut off forever, which I'm realizing was just kind of put on by myself. And I suppose just by the culture we're in and, you know, people are always saying like the time is like now, like once you're in college or once you're having a summer internship, once you have a full-time job, you know, like you're never going to have the same free time, which is totally true. Although these days we see that there's a lot more room to pivot and you never know how long you're in one job or another, or how the spirit is moving, especially when we're in the Christian life, in the spiritual life, where the Lord is moving us to, what opportunities he brings up. So really interesting for me to be seeing that like right now, here I am in my like upper 20s, and my two cousins are in their upper 30s. And like to me, it's like, oh no, like too late, we missed the boat. But actually, it feels like so meant to be. Like I totally belong getting to know them, being around them. And they both have young kids and like life isn't over. You know, it's like these kids are going to like grow up into adulthood. Hopefully my cousins are going to like live on into old age. You know, it's like, this isn't over. Like hopefully there's another like 40, 50, 60, 70, like years of life to experience and time to be together and to experience. And how interesting that like this moment is right now that the Lord is like allowing me for two years in a row to get to go visit my family and be with them for a substantial amount of time that like I've dreamt of my whole life. Like interesting, like why did it have to wait until now? And like in the midst of that too, of course I'm thinking about when I go visit, it's like my aunt and uncle are in one like home unit and then I have two cousins that are each married with a kid. So it's kind of like these three home units that I'm like bopping between. And it just makes me so deeply like yearn for my own family unit, for my own home, for my own husband and children, my own like little life. 
And then I come back here, interestingly, and lots of my friends are like talking about like boyfriend, girlfriend problems, <laughs> you know, like waiting, like, okay, I don't know. I've been dating this guy for three months. Like, how do I know if like, this is really going to be the one here are all the like problems and questions and qualms I'm having. But like, I don't know. Can I just like know those things right away? Do I have to wait it out? Do I just need to wait and see like him and more experiences? Okay. Then other relationships where it's like, okay, do like, does he love me more than I love him? Is he more ready than I am? Is this like the right place? Is it not? What is this like communication issue we're running into? Why is there so much conflict happening here? What if my timeline is different than like their timeline? And all sorts of the whole gamut of like, like desperate to be dating someone and married all the way through like in a dating relationship. And it's like torturous because you just never know what's going to happen. It's so uncertain. It's so tumultuous. You just have no idea what the outcome is going to be. And the truth is that our hearts are made to be in a commitment. And of course, when we're not in that, there's some instability, there's some difficulty. And so that kind of conversation has been bringing me to like recognizing like, wow, we're always waiting. It seems we're waiting for something. We're waiting for um, a significant other. We're waiting for a marriage. We're waiting for um, a child. We're waiting to get pregnant. We're waiting to have a healthy pregnancy. We're waiting to get a job. We're waiting to get a better job. We're waiting to get a house. We're waiting to get a bigger house. We're waiting to save money to go on a vacation. We're waiting for our child's baptism, first communion, all these milestones. We're waiting for our constantly. It's always there's something we're waiting for, we're looking forward to. And it's really um, interesting then. I was talking to a group of friends this week and they'd mentioned something they'd heard on a Christian podcast. So I went to listen to this podcast and here's a little um, blurb of what they said. They said, actually living in waiting is like the lifestyle of the Christian life because we are not made to live in this world. This whole time that we're on earth as we know it is a time of waiting for eternal life. Because actually we've been created to be citizens of heaven. We've been created to be citizens of a foreign land that is not this one. So our entire lives are spent waiting to be in eternal communion with God in heaven forever. That's what our whole lives are. So yes, of course we're waiting. We're always waiting for something, for some milestone, for some change, for some something to happen. And and then they took it a little further even and said, um, practicing this like living in waiting actually um, prolongs a desire within us for the coming of Jesus, the second coming, the return of Jesus, which is exactly what we're, not exactly, but what we're celebrating in Advent, this time of waiting for the hope of baby Jesus, the savior of the world who is uh, to come. And in uh, Acts 2, of course, when we talk about like being in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit comes and it descends upon the apostles, what are they doing in the upper room? They're gathered waiting. And so there's absolutely some significant importance about waiting and waiting well and recognizing that the Lord is always doing something in the waiting. Our time of waiting is never, ever, ever wasted. And... We have to know that he is the prize himself. Jesus is the prize himself. And all of our time of, of waiting and all of these things that we're waiting for and desiring are actually just a sign 
of what our hearts are most deeply longing for, if we're really honest. And actually, last week, a friend of mine, we were talking about the reality of the Eucharist, the absolute, profound, wild reality of the Eucharist. And if I really believe that Jesus is truly present, the King of heaven and earth, who has created this entire universe, all of the beautiful things of this world he has created, if he really truly is present in front of me in adoration, when I come for my weekly hour of adoration or a great time of adoration and praise music and words for the Lord, that is the most profound like exuberant, joyous, like moment of ecstasy of my whole life. Like there actually is no greater joy in the world than that kind of a moment when heaven is touching earth and we're worshiping God, the creator of the universe who has come to dwell with us. It is like, it's insane. And I was saying to him, that sounds crazy. Like it really, I understand that. Like it really sounds crazy But I really believe that it's true and it's really been my experience that it's true that Jesus has drawn me and my heart into a wild depth of communion with him that is hard to put into words. And and even then it it brought me back to and okay, and to think about like the the joy, whether it's like happy feeling or not in prayer, you know, this deep like joy, peace, like moment of communion with God worshiping him in the Eucharist, like every other delightful experience pales in comparison. A really great kiss, a really great surprise, a really great vacation, a really great promotion, a really great grade on a test or in a course. None of these things, like, I mean, it's just like, it's hilarious how they pale in comparison to like what we're made for and when we're touching that reality that of eternity that we're made for when when we're able to do that in prayer and worshiping God. And it reminded me then of last summer, I was with um, a group of women at a given conference is what it was called. It was like a Catholic um, women's leadership retreat and Father John Burns was there and I was having a really difficult time. Um, And actually, wow, this is wild. It happened on the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which is the day this podcast episode will also come out. Um, And Father John Burns uh, came up to me after Mass, and I had cried through the entire Mass, and I was just really unwell. And he came up to me and said, hey, how are you doing? And I said, oh, wow, did you see me bawling when you gave me the Eucharist? Because um, it was pretty, it was pretty noticeable, huh? So he said, okay, well, why don't we take a little walk together, like to the next like um, talk that we were going to. So we took a little walk out of the way. And he said to me, this morning, I really had a, a word for you in prayer that the Lord desires you. He is thirsting for you. He's thirsting for more of your heart in prayer. He's desirous of more of you alone in prayer. 
And I was lamenting at how I was feeling like, I don't know where I belong. I don't know where home is. I don't know what family means or who that is. Or like, I just feel so like orphaned and alone and swirling and on some like wild blind journey. And I just have no idea like what direction to go in. Am I doing the right things? Is my life like aimless? Am I following the Lord right? Like what is, I don't even know. I don't even know. You know, one of those kind of, um, moments and existential crises. And, and then he said to me, uh, he quoted to me from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he said, there's a moment when Sam says, if I take one more step, I'll be the farthest away from home I've ever been. If I take one more step, I'll be the farthest away from home that I've ever been. And Father John Burns turned that to me and he said, I think you're at the cusp of something profound that the Lord is inviting you to. Are you willing to take one more step? Are you willing to be further away from home, further into the unknown than you've ever been before in your life? And can you trust the Lord's promise? Can you trust the good Father's promise that what he has for you is better than anything you've ever experienced? And of course, there's a little uh, like fear, of course, because it's something uncertain. It's another, it's further than you've ever been before. It's a new place. It's away from your safety net of what you know to be home or what you know to be comfortable. Are you willing to take that step? So thank you, Father John Burns, <laughs> for, for that invitation. And like six months later, I was on a winter retreat where he was and someone like requested at the end of breakfast that he just close us, like give us a prayer and a blessing, you know, close us in a prayer. And in that prayer, he prayed that the Lord would rearrange our hearts according to himself, according to God himself, that he would rearrange our hearts according to him. That was so striking to me. And I began praying that prayer constantly. And then this man that I had been really, really excited about and liked a lot and had been on and off great emotional difficulty for almost two years. It finally seemed like, wow, the moment is now. Thank you, God. Finally, the waiting is over. Here we are. The timing is finally perfect. Thank you, God. I, this is amazing. Look at how everything is turning out to be. This is so glorious. And then the night before I left for a Damascus worship retreat, everything ended on the phone. <laughs> and I was completely shocked, completely blindsided. I was so certain that the Lord had ordained this, that finally all the pieces had fallen into place and he was ready to grant this great gift to me and to this man. <laughs> and there went all of it. And there I was then at this Damascus worship leaders retreat. And that weekend I encountered the Lord in a different and perhaps more profound way than I've ever experienced before in my life. Um, I experienced every single emotion possible, I think, <laughs> in this weekend retreat. Um, and I allowed it. I welcomed it. And I welcomed in the Lord. And I uh, bawled my eyes out like harder than I could have ever imagined. I sang louder than I could have ever imagined. I praised the Lord and worshiped with my body like more than I've ever seen myself. <laughs> uh, and I felt so free 
so free in a new way, free of all of the things I'd been holding on to or desiring or like conjuring up the timing of or assuming or grasping for, just like completely poured out like I feel shattered. I have nothing left. My heart is like broken, bleeding, bruised, poured out. And the Lord said to me, welcome to my own heart. Welcome to my own sacred heart. And thank you for living on the altar with me. Thank you for offering yourself in the way that you have. Thank you for being a conduit of my love in the way that you have. Thank you for being my instrument, my servant, for being with me. And now let me romance you. Let me show you that I've been with you this whole way. In all of the waiting, I'm always right there with you. And now again, I'm here to tend to your broken heart and to give you something more magnificent, more deep than you could have ever dreamt of. And thank you for coming and for surrendering and for not hiding and and keeping away from me. And instead, thank you for like living in this place of waiting that allows a more deep encounter with God himself. And on that weekend retreat, I realized my heart is made to worship God. And worship takes place in many ways. The number one utmost way, the source and summit of our faith, the greatest, highest form of worship is in the Mass, united in the Mass. And all of our personal prayer time is to be leading us more deeply into the Mass and the reception of the Eucharist and the reverence of the Eucharist. And I love to worship the Lord in song and with my body and to praise Him in that way. I love that. And I also love to praise the Lord in silence. I love to praise the Lord in meditation, in contemplation, in the rosary, in scripture. In There's a whole vast uh, number of ways that we can worship God. And even in our like everyday actions, because we are made to worship God. We are made for eternal life. And the Lord has given us the greatest gift in the world, the Eucharist right here, right now on this earth to be physically present with him. And the Bishop of Madison, Bishop Hying, just, um, they released a stunning video um, about the Eucharist to go along with this um, three-year Eucharistic revival that we find ourselves in. And I'll link it here. It's a beautiful, beautiful video. And people are speaking so honestly of, if I really believe that this were true, it would change everything about my life. If I really believed that Jesus was present in the Eucharist, I wouldn't even know what to do with myself. Like I would be coming like crawling on my knees into the, into the chapel. Like it is so humbling and affirming that the Lord of the universe would come. I'm often saying that I am just in absolute awe and gratitude and humbled that the Lord has given me this opportunity to experience him in these deep and profound ways. And I thank him for the gift of faith and for giving me the grace to respond to this gift of faith that he's given me so that I can understand a little bit more so in my life, at least intellectually, (laughs) the profound importance of centering my life on the reality that God is real and that he is the prize. 
And eternal life, this eternal perspective is what I'm living for. So any moments of waiting, any moments of how the Lord wants my life to look, my days to look, my weeks, my months, my years, that I could surrender myself and I can say, thank you, God, for whatever you're doing here. And I trust you fully in what you're doing here. And I choose to claim to live in the hope that you have something great in store and that even now my ability to be with you in the waiting is already excellent. And a, a verse that's been coming to me a lot this year um, is coming from Song of Songs chapter 2, um, let's see, 10, 10 onward. Um, my lover speaks, he says to me, Arise, my beloved, my beautiful one, and come. For see, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth. The time of pruning the vines has come, and the song of the dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines in bloom give forth fragrance. Arise, my beloved, my beautiful one, and come. God, I pray that each of us would be able to hold on to the hope that a moment is coming when the winter will be past, when the springtime has come, when you have chosen it to be right. I ask that you would give us the courage to dare to hope and to dare to believe that you are truly present and you are waiting for us in every adoration chapel, in every tabernacle that you are desperately desiring for us to come and to commune with you and to have a taste of the eternal life that we are made for, that we would know and be convicted that we are made to worship and that we would have the courage to go one step further than we've ever gone before. We pray all these things with expectant hope in your most holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to Come Alive. I pray that you keep asking questions, keep pondering what is sticking with you from this, and most importantly, talk to the Lord about it in your time of prayer today. If you want to share anything with me and you know me, I'd love to hear it. If you don't know me, you can email me at helenad at uwcatholic.org, and I'd love to hear from you too. God bless you all. Thank you.